Hey, you want to hear inspirational music and talk? Download the CJC radio app right now in the app store. What are you waiting for? Download it now. You're listening to the Carl Jackson podcast. Available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. My guest today on the Carl Jackson podcast is Mr. Lawrence Johnson. Lawrence Johnson is a vocal coach and a vocal producer out of London, England. He's produced vocals for Sam Smith, the Spice Girls, Mary J. Blige, James Cleveland, the Aladdin movie soundtrack, and the new movie that's coming out real soon, Cats, with Jennifer Hudson. He's an incredible force. And I can't wait for you guys to hear the interview. Now, I must tell you, I must warn you, this interview wasn't done in my studio. It was done at an undisclosed location in California where I'm relaxing. And so I forgot my pop filter where you, uh, there's a filter, uh, or I should say a, a, a fuzz ball that you put over the mic so that you don't hear any P's and S's that sound really annoying and sounds distorted. But unfortunately, I forgot it. And you hear me at certain point of the interview, you hear pops and little noises here and there. So please forgive us. Uh, it was remote and uh, it was a last minute setup of the interview because the interview was supposed to happen about a month ago. So we weren't in our studios to record this. So, uh, yeah, there you go. So I hope you guys enjoy. And um, I was almost about to sneeze. <laughs> I was trying to keep myself from sneezing. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this interview. And uh, here we go.
Welcome to the Carl Jackson Podcast. I am delighted that you guys have joined us again. Episode 4, Season 3. I am so excited about this episode because I have one of my childhood heroes on the phone with me. um, Lawrence Johnson, who was the founding member of an incredible, incredible gospel group uh, called New Colors. Uh, He's also one of the co-founders of the London Community Choir in London, England. And uh, he's sung with, I mean, just you name it, BB and CC, Take Six, James Cleveland at the Albert Hall. I mean, just an incredible force. Um, I really want to get into how New Colors began and started. But first, let me introduce you guys to Mr. Lawrence Johnson. Hey, Kyle, how are you, brother? How are you? Oh, man, I am so great, man, especially now that I'm talking with you. Thank you thank you so much for taking the time, man, to do this. You're the smartest, man. Thank you. Thank you. You are in uh, London right now. What time is it there? It's now uh, 10, to, sorry, 10 past 8 in the evening. In the evening. All right. So we're, we're in California, so we're going to make this work. And um, I want to start with... Um, how you got into music and a little bit about your background, your upbringing. Okay. Um, well, um, like most of the kids um, over here, I was um, came from a Caribbean background. My parents were from Jamaica. And my mother and father came to uh, London um, during 1961 um, and basically came over with five brothers and sisters and we were born here. And um, just kind of listened to lots of music. I mean, obviously you had things like the Beatles and other pop groups. And so I listened to a lot of pop music initially because that was obviously a big thing. Um, but my parents obviously came over here from Jamaica, so reggae was a massive influence at the time. But for many of us kids who were born here, there was, we didn't feel um, connected to what was going on in Jamaica or the Caribbean because obviously being born here. And, and one of the things we weren't really turned on to was really um, was gospel music, man, like, you know, Andre Crouch and... James Cleveland, as you mentioned before, and yeah. James Moore, and all those great artists. That was what we, that's what we got our teeth into. Something that was, it felt like we, we, we were connected with those kind of artists and just watching these guys. But we, were, I mean, we studied any video, anything on, on, on TV, we, we would have wanted to watch it. So that was kind of my early influence on and gospel music, really. What What was your thoughts when you first heard Andre Crouch and the Hawkins? I want to know on both because I mean everybody knows the incredible force Walter and Edwin Hawkins were just here in the States. But I can only imagine what that sound must have translated to in in England. So give us a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, that concept of what that was was for you being a young young lad. Yes, I mean, the first thing, I mean, especially with the Hawkins, I mean, the first thing I really heard, I mean, they, they dropped um, the single over here, Oh Happy Day, which amazingly was played on mainstream radio which has never been heard before gospel on mainstream right you know never been done before so the idea of that in itself so it's the one song everybody every black person every white person if you go anywhere they go can you sing oh happy day so it was like it was one of those songs that kind of transitioned and went right through um cultures and um but for me one of the things that was really um influential was listening to Andre Couch the first I'd heard Andre Crouch and then he came to London to do a live album which was uh, 
phenomenal. And, Incredible um, record. That record. That record is so amazing, man. I still listen to it to this day. Oh, fantastic album. Great singers, a great musicians. And the funny thing is, I mean, when you come to, a, especially when you come to a concert in London, but I used to watch TV and watch concerts in America, and I'd see these artists singing and go, "Oh my God!" And I, I, then they pan the camera to the audience, and I go, "Why are they sitting down?" Right, right, right. Over here, over here, it's like a, it's like a pocket. We go nuts. Because we're so starved, man. You go to a, a concert here. That's why a lot of American artists love coming here because we just gave all I got because we, we weren't used to it, man. And um, and you guys see it on a Sunday service and hear great singers and, you know, and so I'm not saying we didn't enjoy it, but it was obviously quite interesting watching how you guys uh, received or how you reacted to music. And um, Andre, for me, was, was the one for me because I've, I've always, always said, I've said to you earlier, I've, I've heard this guy... Um, playing gospel music and then I heard this song I think God Love, God, God Love Country People yeah I think it's myself I heard a cow <laughs> and a dog <laughs> on a gospel record <laughs> this guy's crazy because in England we love all the kind of um, amalgamation different types of music and you know in this country we have about pop music and then we have rock and we have reggae so there's quite a lot of mixture you know we have one station in those days that played everything where I suppose in America you had your kind of more R&B stations and more kind of select stations that played mainstream and I just, I just love the fact that he was just trying to be different that was that for me was what really pulled me into Andre and just the, for me the, the most amazing songwriter and always he just put the, the right song at the right time so he had a massive influence on me and, and many people in Britain yeah Andre was um, an amazing force I actually got to meet with him and and talk with him and get to know him as a friend I, i'd say about a about for about three or four years before he died we would talk all the time because we were in the process of making a movie on his life oh and uh, oh, was i was just blown away with the stories that he would tell me and um one of the things that i learned about andre was how he wrote songs. I mean, he he just basically shared with me how he would come up with these songs. And unfortunately, he passed before we could actually get the movie made. And I don't know if I don't know if I'm the guy to do it at this point because um I just feel like he had blessed me to do it and to try and tell his story, you know, I just don't feel worthy at this point to try to tell his story as a filmmaker. Um, you, you have to, you have to do that. You know the thing is, you think. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, most of us um, meet people. I mean, thank God, I was able to meet with him in Europe. We toured in Europe, and um, and just just watching him. And I remember Bill Maxwell was there as well. And oh. um, watch these guys. And I just thought, I really believe that um, um, that a lot of things, that a lot of the influence really rubbed off on on me on how they, they how they did their music. It was a very kind of very calm yeah and I, me- and I remember one of the things I remember we just opened for Andre and um, and I remember when he, we opened for him and then he then pulled us back on stage and said okay I want you to stay on stage for the rest of the show with us oh wow that's the kind of man he was that was the kind of guy he was and um, and, uh, and I and I um, I um, just watched and learned um, um, so much from him it was that it was something nephew deep, just some simple words about his music and his love for God. So I mean, I just I was I say I was I was devastated when I heard, you know. And I remember the last album. I, there was one of the last songs I heard was um, 
promise. Yeah, I was in the studio. I was in the studio when he was working on that album. No way. I was, man. I have footage. I have to show it, send it to you. Uh, uh, Sandra Crouch might kill me, but I was filming some of it. But. Uh, <laughs> but you gotta, I, you gotta do this film. You gotta do this film, man. You gotta do it. Man. I want to do I, it. I want to do it so bad, man. I, and I feel I, I get chills every time I talk about it because he really he called me his son. You know, he's like, you look a lot like me. And he used to make fun of me because he says, if I never had any kids, but if I had kids, I'm sure my son <laughs> would look like you. Like you. Oh, man. <laughs> and I mean, it was just kind of like wow. And I and I've just. Oh my God! You, you talk about that's like me winning an Oscar. Hearing him say that, uh, you, and one of the you, best advice he gave me, um, you know, we were talking, and he 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 loved Bill Maxwell. He talked about Bill yeah. Maxwell being his yeah. really his his guy that in his yeah. mind taught him how to produce. Wow. And uh, but he gave me some advice, and I never will forget. He said, I asked him. I said, you know, you never got married, you never had kids. And why, why was that? And his exact words to me was, because I never met a woman that was fine enough for me to lose my anointing. And when he told me that, I, I almost just like fainted. <laughs> I was like, because it really broke it down to me how much he took his craft seriously. I mean, he really, really met to touch the world and he did you know so tell us a little bit about new colors because i have to tell you my brother new colors for me was probably the biggest album of all time from i'd say i'd say really all of the 90s i was listening to that that first record new colors because you know at the time it was bb and cc wines that was very contemporary and but i couldn't really find anybody else that had that unique sound andre had stopped making music he wasn't making as much music and uh because you know andre's music from i'd say 1978 i call it the funk years 1978 through 1983 he just came out with these funk records man that were just ridiculous i'll be thinking of you um waiting i'll waiting for the sun uh don't give up record with, with warner brothers um the finally record um the don't don't no time to lose record i mean all that stuff was just funk man and so you know it, after he stopped it just kind of like it just died for a minute and then bb and cc came out and they were amazing and then i find this group out of england called new colors and i was literally blown away i mean that album man Every song, I knew every song, I knew every lyric, I knew every nuance, I knew every cadence. I even started singing English lyrics like people from London. <laughs> I, I mean, it was just amazing to me what you did with that record. I wanted, I just want to know what happened. How did you write such a powerful or produce such a powerful? Not only group, but album. You know, I would, I'd, um, obviously most of my, my career, early part of the career, was based in doing with three choirs. And um, after doing London Community Gospel Choir for many, many years and having a, a real success from the choir, um, one of the things I would tell you before I even started New Colours, I was with my choir, the London Community Gospel Choir. 
And at the time, I was working with, with my mentor, a guy called Basil Mead, and we started this choir. And what happened, we told our pastor at the time we wanted to start this choir. And she said to me straight away, it's not a God, it's not going to last. And so what was happening is she, they didn't want us, the reason why, another thing because the gospel choir was so unique, was because it was mixing people from different, different cultures. Right. Because usually if you were in a gospel choir, it was either you belonged to the New Testament Church of God or you were part of Kojic or you are part of that. But you didn't mix among them. Exactly. You just did your own group. Exactly. We decided we wanted to do something different. And so we had people from Kojic, we had people from New Testament, we had people from the Seven-day Adventists. We, I mean, what we realized was we all have different things about our, 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 our Christian life. But we realized that the one thing we did have in common is that we love God. Things like whether you went to church on a Saturday or you didn't eat chicken or you didn't eat pork, for us, we right. relevant. Right. It, to me, it, 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 I respected each person's view. Right. But we had a, we had a lot more in common. And so we started this choir, and it was, oh man, I, I don't know, I feel like I, I started World War Three, man. Every church, anyone joined our choir was stopped in their church. It was, I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. I was 17, I couldn't understand why people were doing this. We were just trying to bring people together. I mean, now, everyone's together now, but those days it was very difficult. And I was very resentful towards the, um, the, the black church especially. I'm and, sure. Uh, and, 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 um, and what we could, we got a lot of love from a lot of mainstream white Christian acts and the funny story was um, me and Basil started this choir and we were then um, we got a phone call from a guy called George Martin now I didn't know who George Martin was at the time but Basil would be a bit older knew who he was and George Martin happens to be the producer of the Beatles so we get a call saying can you come down to the studio I went to a studio called Ear Studio and we end up meeting not just George Martin but Paul McCartney Oh wow! And I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there going, "Oh my gosh!" Of course. And they then ask us, "Can you record the song Long and Winding Roads?" Not even just for a, for an album, for a soundtrack for a film. So I tell you, that's the first thing I've ever done. Wow! Uh, and, I, and I tell people, I say to people, I remember the, the group had the choir hadn't done the gigs yet. We hadn't done anything outside yet, so it wasn't like we had a reputation. And I always say to people, "Do you think it's based on how talented I was?" or favour mm. sometimes and I really believe when it's your time it's your time yes and many people have a chance to um, they do stuff and you know I've had calls recently to do some stuff and I think to myself this is only God because I'm not even in that world anymore right you know and um, and, and and people when I see people doing well especially are people doing well I never go how come she's got that gig right she's been singing for a short period of time or he's done that right I always, and I believe that's one of the things that we need to come together more on and and I remember um, for me that door opening uh, for us and we ended up doing this this song and from there on it just went crazy we were down doing that so doing the choir for about 10 years I then felt like I needed something fresh and I just felt like um, it'd be great to have a group uh, because everything was very much based on choirs, or lots of different choirs at the time. And I always felt like I needed to be ahead, and I thought, why don't we try and get a group? So I, um, I got, uh, I was checking people out, auditioning people, and I decided I wanted people that weren't necessarily choirs because there was a certain style that choir people had, and I wanted to have people that were more kind of soloists or had done some kind of group. So I went around London, man, and around England, and I got a girl from Wolverhampton called Priscilla. And, a girl, Faye, who was our main lead singer, she was from South London, and then um, the other guy, Lane, who was from Aldershot, and we talked about music, we talked about stuff, and we were very upfront. and I said, I want to make music, it's going to be very contemporary, 
business that's going to kind of change the world. But at the same time, I want to have fun. I want us to be fun about stuff. I was very upfront. Even though I was the founder of the group, I wasn't getting anything separate. We were, everything we got, if we get £100, we're all going to get £100. I'm not going to get any more because right. I started it. And I felt it was really important that the team knew that. Right. And so even up to this day, the four of us are still very tight. We get on really well. And, you know, even talking about the possibility of getting back together to do something. So that's kind of what we did to start off um, New Colours, really. Wow, man. I, I, I would be so happy if you guys did a tour. I would be, like, ecstatic. If you guys did did a reunion tour, that would be crazy. So let me ask you this: um, Weather the Storm, one of my favorite yeah. songs off the record. Oh, thanks, man. Um, how did you get the vocals so perfect? <laughs> well, not about perfect, man. I tell you what it was. You know, you know it was. I mean, I was. I'm gonna be honest. With you. I'm gonna tell you straight. My uh, my favorite singer, and because I, I love the voice, was James James Ingram. I just love James. Oh uh, uh, yes. I love that sound. Yes. I was like, if I can get because also because because I've been doing choirs for quite a while I wanted to break out people go wow it's a new sound so if I was going to create a new sound I need to also create a, a new sound um, I need to create a new sound around me as well so if anyone's going to change sound I also have to be part of it so we started working on uh, a sound and I kind of worked between that process I felt was kind of natural because usually we do choirs it tends to be very high ranged so we change keys around and every one of the four of us had something different like Lane the other guy in the group had a kind of more Donny Hathaway type sound and right we just but we wanted to also use it and link with our Caribbean background and also what's happening here in Europe so it took us a while to develop that sound and and, um, and that's kind of what it was we worked on that and um um, um, I had a good friend of mine, a guy called Mark Beswick, and um, my brother worked on this track called Weather Storm. When I heard it, I went, you've got to do this. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it has a, a very important a very important factor. And during that time, the, the, the group was formed. It was very much based on, we just had um, the riots over here okay. um, in the 80s. Yeah. And I felt that we should do something that would, and that's kind of what the new colour thing was, based on that, because at the moment it was an issue of, blacks and whites and all that stuff and I thought that we need to have a new colour a colour that still expresses what we do as a culture being, being Caribbean to be proud of it but I'm also part, proud of being um, part of the human race and so hence the songs talked about it whether the storm was we could get through this so the songs also had a kind of a social message rather than just a spiritual message so this this album was uh, a dual contract right you had a label in London that released it and then you signed the deal with Sparrow Records, right? No, so we were signed to Universal actually. What happened? I went to see all the labels and uh, no British mainstream label wanted it. So, let, let, so let, let's back up. So you did the album first, right? Uh, no, we, did, we, did two, we had two albums. So we had an album called we had an album first with an, uh, an album called Man Within okay. with a European label that's the second song that's the second song on the record if, if for those who have the American version that's the second song on the first New Colors album The Man Within right. uh, yes. song so basically what happened and the reason why to be honest what happened because we've been doing a lot of stuff in Europe the reason if you listen to the album is called for us in England it's called Colors of LCGC so because Europe was a big market for us LCGC they wanted the fact that because I was the co-founder of LCGC 
have a link so people have a new group. They go, who's that? But they don't know the LGC. It's a new launch. So it's kind of a marketing tool, but basically in the mainstream in America, it was launched as, as, um, as New Colors. And then we got assigned to, uh, we were assigned to this label called Cantio, which is a Swedish label. And they then got a deal with Sparrow in America. And what's so funny, I was getting phone calls. I got a call from a guy called Kenny Ortiz, who was looking after people like, um, uh, was looking after, was that, was that RCA? And he called me and said, look, are you guys signed? And I was like, no, we're not signed to anybody. He said, how do you guys find to client out to some writing? That was on a Wednesday. By Friday, we was in New York, right, with a guy called Kerry Chandler. And just, I'm like, me and my fiance were like, wow, this is, this is like we're living a dream. Wow. And we were, we were in the States for a few weeks writing. And that was so funny. Every label that turned me down, every British label turned me down. Now the Americans are on us, they all wanted us. That's crazy. So in other words, exactly. you you tried to get this record signed, or you tried to get signed, the group signed, and yep. no one would, would sign the group? No one in Europe would sign No one in, in, Europe, in London would sign it, no. Wow. So universe... So as soon as the Americans jumped on it, because obviously the Americans have a different thing, because obviously they understand gospel music, they understand right. that kind of stuff, the vocals, and, and England was initially very much based on pop music. Right. So here was a group that would kind of have a kind of a very inspirational uh, type that's very soulful music, and it hadn't been done as such in our country. So once I had, we had RPA coming to meet with us, and I had RPA um, director coming here, I had um, Atlantic, Atlantic Music, Atlantic Records coming over here. I even had a deal, they, they all came over to, to meet with us, took us out for dinner, and then in the end, we had Universal and a few labels that came on. So it kind of just went from nothing to, to crazy. And I was like, we were like, I remember the guy saying to me, Lance, who can he go with? And I, I was, I, I, as a leader, I was trying to be calm, but I, like, I had no clue what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to fake it. And I was going, you know why I sorted it out? And I went back to my mum and said, fuck you, pray. That's <laughs> funny. And so it was, it was just so funny just looking at the stuff and um, in the end, we signed to Universal, and so the record was released with Sparrow Gospel, and we were signed to uh, Universal uh, Worldwide, Polydor, and um, and kind of from there, it kind of just kicked off, kicked off from there. So Sparrow Records signed you first? Yeah, we got signed to Sparrow via this Swedish label called Cantio. So Cantio gave the record deal to um, Sparrow for America. And then after Sparrow took you, then Universal, everybody else wanted you. That's right. That came after. And how many albums did New Colors do? We ended up doing, well, altogether three, but um, with Universal, two, and one with, um, one with, um, um, and Sparrow. So what, dis- wh- why did you, I guess, I don't want to say you disband the group. What happened? Well, basically what happened is after we did two albums, and there was a, we did a show, this is an amazing show, we did a show called the I Am Show. Um, which and the, the the actual we came to America to Washington, and I mean the, it was um, Mint Condition, it was um, uh, One Twelve, Puffy, all those guys, and we went up there and sang as well, and we met um, Whitney Houston, all these guys, and it was like really amazing. And when I was coming back from the hotel, I was talking to the guys. I said I, I was talking to the guys, and I felt like um, this had been going for quite a few years, and I've been feeling a bit like um, the control of record companies. I just felt like me and being a, a older than the other guys that felt like I don't know if I want to do this anymore and the guys were going well Lord, you're the group founder we, we want to be with you and, I said, and we have a great relationship we still do but I said but you guys because you're younger 
you guys pay amazing vocals. You could do a solo project. Lane, you could do a solo project. And Priscilla, you could do a solo project. Whereas me, being older, I felt like if I was going to go back into it, I would have to go back into it from a business perspective. I wanted to go into it from a business perspective. So I went back to the record label and told them I wanted out. They kept me. Um, they let the other guys go apart from Faye, but they held me in Faye for another year. Because I felt they felt that maybe I had another project I was going to, which I, I never had had no intention of doing it. So they kept um, um, me and Faye tied to that contract for about a year, even though they, they promised to let us go. Um, and so I then ended up doing stuff where I ended up working for people like Simon Cowell. Um, okay. So I, I ended up vocal coaching most of the artists on, on most of the TV shows, working with them. Uh, George Michael to when Stevie comes to England I was doing all the Stevie stuff um, when, um, when Mary J. Bly came I was doing work with Mary J. so it, was just, it just took off on my agency side I spent time working in agency music and just supplying singers and musicians because obviously knowing the best gospel singers and musicians I could get people that were vocally and musically equipped but I also wanted them to be professionally equipped so they had to be on time if you're late for me you never did a gig again so I was very strict about making sure that we were professional so I threw myself into just doing a lot of session work um, as I mentioned most of the pop groups and and I was working on TV shows like X Factor um, American um, got English pop idols which is the English version of American idols and um, coaching artists and singers so I kind of stripped myself more behind the scenes which I, I kind of preferred I liked that because I had my own freedom I could go where I wanted to go I didn't have people dictating everything to me which is and it wasn't, it wasn't a kind of a thing I didn't want to do, but I just felt like um, they'd taken away my creativity and, um, and to the extent they wanted to have us write with other people. And, and I was like, well, no, we want to write, we want to write with people that with our choice. You want, you're going to put me to write with, um, say you've got me to write with George Michael. Cool, he's a great, he's a great artist, but has no relevance to where we're coming from. And I just, I didn't want to compromise because of a name. So that was one of the reasons why I decided in the end that I'd had enough of being in the forefront. So, and I loved I loved my moment for it because I thought, you know, with every artist you go, I want to be, I want to be an artist. But after about two or three years, I was like, nah, I don't want to be an artist. I want to be behind the scenes and, and work behind the scenes. And you've been working behind the scenes ever since. Yeah, I've been doing that. I mean, like, I say I worked for Simon Cowell, who's, um, I'm not sure if you know who he is, is the, um, of course, amazing. Oh, of course. So I worked for Simon for 15 years. So right. every project that he had out, I was the one that was raging the vocals. Uh, most pop groups, um, from the Spice Girls to, uh, you, you know, most of the pop acts I was working with, I looked after them. And then, um, and then I kind of ended up, uh, last year, it was a great year, last year I got a phone call um, from Alan Menken's office, which is um, the guy that wrote um, Pocahontas, um, Beauty and the Beast, um, and back in Notre Dame, I ended up doing three songs on the new Aladdin film with Will Smith. Yes. And, um, and so it was, I mean, like, I was, as a kid, 17 years old, I was dreaming of doing something with Walt Disney, man, and I had to wait to 57. And, and I'm so glad because, you know, sometimes when people have dreams, and, and I think at the time, coming earlier, I, would, I don't think I've been ready, but now I just enjoy it for the process. And uh, we ended up doing three songs on the new film, Aladdin film, and... I recently did a film, another track on a film for um, a new film called Cats with um, um, Jennifer Hudson and um, um, Taylor Swift. Just yeah, I just, saw, I just saw the trailer for that, yeah. Right, so I did a song on that one. So 
absolutely amazing. I'm, I feel like I get a second breath of of, um, of uh, life doing stuff. And this time round, I can do it really enjoy it without being part of an agency or being part of a company. They call me if it fits in with my market and my church, what I'm doing. I'm doing. It. If not, I say no, I'm not interested. So, and I also end up doing uh, a guy called Sam Smith, um, who's a massive. Um, uh, artist, um, we, we end up yeah, we love Sam Smith in the States. <laughs> cool. well, I, did, I, did, I did the six songs on his album, a range of vocals, and the choir on six of his songs on the album. So, um, and that album's about to go five million, I hear worldwide. So, I'm, I'm so I'm so blessed to be honored with um, being part of stuff like that. It's, it's nice because um, I, I really do enjoy the process of just enjoying the music and not taking it too serious. So, yeah, you know, we want to live and we want to live well, but um. I enjoy the process. I understand the gifting that God has given us all, and I, and I honor that more so. When you were 17 years old, did you see this life going the way it, it went? <laughs> did you, at 17, think you would be writing songs for, yeah, or working yeah. on, on Aladdin movie yeah. and Cats yeah, no, no, and no, Sam no. Smith and Spice Girls and no, Simon no. Cowell? Did you see that no, happening? Not, a, not at all. I'll tell you what was so funny, because when I finished school, I didn't do very well at school. And, you know, anybody listening, please do, do, make sure you do well at school. But um, I didn't do really well at school. And I remember, um, you know, I um, my dad was like, my dad was not happy. He was like, look, you're not doing do no music. There's no money in music. You're going gonna to get a proper job. I was like, okay, dad, great. So I had to work for a year doing engineering. I was like, I'm so rubbish at it. And, um, but, you know, I really see God's hand open. I ended up working in this kind of a, a, a social club that dealt with kids who were having problems at school and a lot of them were black Caribbean kids and they didn't, they didn't ask me to do the music and work with them musically so I'd do stuff where I'd take them to studios and work with stuff and do come with beats and, and do that so that's kind of how it kind of happened and I can see kind of how God's hand was kind of over me and, and, and I couldn't see it happening and I look at it now and one of the things I think I would always say to people is um one of the things for me which is important, if I get a chance to open a door for somebody, I do it. Yes. I don't think about, I don't think about, well, what am I going to get from it? Right. Am I going to get some money from it? Because I, I keep, what I keep remembering and I remind myself is, God opened that door for me in the first place. The yes. people I've worked 40 years, God opened it. So if I'm smart, God will carry it open doors because at 57, I just done cats and I just done um, Arabian Nights. And so, um, um, those things happen because my heart's in the right place. So most things I do, if I can get a chance to bring somebody in, as long as you respect the process and make sure that you're professional, your time, I, I like doing that. So that's my thing, really. I'm not really... Most stuff I've done, very rarely do I do anything where it's based on me getting the accolades. It's usually me and my team. And, and um, you know, when we did the... Um, um, uh, when we did the... Um, I've got um, Will Smith. Um, I've just got the name of the film now. Aladdin. Thank you, thank you. When we did that, I brought, yeah, it's a small film. Uh, when we did this film, I managed to bring, I brought in eight men to do the backing vocals, just eight guys, eight of my boys were coming in, and we just had some fun. It was good. And there was a couple of guys who I hadn't seen for Sam for a while. They came in. So I love things like that where people go like, oh, I lost thanks for that opportunity. I loved, I got off on that more than anything else. And that, it sounds weird, but that's where I was brought up. But I brought up on um, honoring the music and enjoying the program. If you can help somebody, help and sometimes people they will do stuff that's negative behind your back and that's cool but I didn't do it to get praise from you I did it because I thought it was the right thing to do right 
So you you do you classify yourself as a producer, writer, vocal uh, producer? No, I would say definitely vocal, definitely vocal producer, vocal arranger. But I don't really. I write. I've written some stuff. I write some stuff, but I don't really like the writing process. So I don't think um, that's my strength. I think there are songs I've written and it's went well. I like writing. If I do write, I like to write with really good people. Right. And um, but I'm more vocal arranger. Um, I don't really produce. I'm a producer. I work with producers. If the producer says I want this kind of sound. I love getting in, into his head and being able to make sure the singer delivers what he needs, not what I need, what he needs, what the artist needs. So I tend to spend more time, and I love arranging BVs, and especially a lot of projects with a lot of choirs needed, so I tend to go in there um, with singers and, um, and understanding the difference. When they say they want a gospel sound on a secular record, it could be they actually want, they just want something uplifting. They don't necessarily want gospel, because what we sing in church different to what you see on a second record so to understand the difference absolutely so before before we uh before i let you go and i, I again i can't thank you enough for for doing this with me because i know you're such a busy guy As a matter of fact this is our second attempt to record because you had a <laughs> had an emergency uh recording that's right, session that's right. That's right, uh, yeah. a few weeks ago and so we couldn't do this podcast uh, but tell us a little bit about your new single, Strength to Go On, that's out now on okay. iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, and many other outlet uh, online okay. outlet stores. Tell us a little bit about the song and what brought it about and what's your goal with this. And it's by okay. uh, One Voice Collective. That's right, yeah. So, so basically, I am... Um, sorry, I, guys, um, for the noise in the background. I'm actually outside. I'm in California, and I'm recording this <laughs> podcast outside because, you know what? It's real, baby. It's California. But basically, what happened, there was a situation um, in, um, in Mozambique, uh, Malawi, and Zimbabwe um, early, early this year, around about March, where they were hit by a cyclone. Uh, typhoon in, in those years and I felt watching it I felt we the gospel artists need to come together so I spoke to one person said I think we should do something so the word spread and about 300 people turned up to record this song and uh, basically what we're trying to do is raise money um, for for that situation it was great to see Christian artists and gospel artists together and we wrote the song and we ended up getting like an orchestra on it and People just devoted their time. They came from all over London, all over England, to be part of this project. And I, I kind of realised that one of the things that I'm supposed to be doing is really bringing people together. Yeah. And um, that's what I feel really strongly about. And um, I'm so proud that we were able to do this project. And it's, we've got an amazing video. It's out now called um, "Strength to Go On." It's on YouTube at the moment. The video. But let's just raise money to give these people. And um, also, I got tear funds. Uh, who's a charity to be part of it because I wanted people to see it was something that's legitimate and it was something that could be done properly and I want to make sure if money's going there it's going to the right people and so hence we did this record um, in May we just finished a video and recording so yeah released it last week Friday and uh, just want to try and raise as much money to help um, these people I mean it's, it's not enough but I think sometimes I find sometimes I can only talk from in my country that we as gospel artists or Christian artists tend to watch the world needs and we just watch in the background. I feel it's important that we take some lead. This is what we're supposed to be doing as Christian artists, um, being a light outside of church. Church is great, it's cool. But when you have to get outside and understand people go through stuff, I think you can become more relevant to what we're supposed to do. And I believe that's what we should be doing, being more relevant to the world. So um, the record's 
out now and they said quarter strength to go on. Lawrence, I can't I can't thank you enough for doing this. And um, I, one of my goals is to create a, a gospel music award show, show, but but it's a world gospel music award show. Oh, so man. gospel God. artists from all over the world uh, get to come together once a year and just celebrate each other. Um, that's my goal, and I guess. Ah, you got all these nuggets, man. You listen, you got all this stuff going on, man. What are you doing, my brother? You know what? Oh. It, it it takes oh. it, it takes God's timing and and funding. I, 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 but I, that's what that's my goal. I want to do in the next, I'd say, three years. I want to be the first. Uh, you heard me say it first, yeah. and I and I'm gonna definitely have you help me put this together. Anything to do, man? Anything to do with that, man? Because to me. Um, um, we're, it's so funny because in England now, we're we're trying to get um, us together. So there's a couple of um, a lot of people coming together now. A lot of really um, important, incredible artists coming together. We realise that we need to come together on a platform because at the moment you've got a few people doing well, right. and some people struggling, and we want to set up something similar. Not necessarily the same thing, but you know we had the gospel um, uh, worship America. We want to set up something that just really helps to look after our own artists and yes. develop them and, and let them know, understand the legal side of stuff. And so we're doing that now. But I want something that represents England, not just London. Right. So we're discussing that now. That's going on now. That's been going for the last five or six weeks to go through really heavy discussions. And so I really feel we need to leave a legacy for the young people to come through and make sure that we do it. So with those gems you got there, brother, you've, you've got to do it. Man, I have to. The World Gospel Music Awards, you heard it first because you got you got England, you have you have gospel music in the Caribbean, you have gospel music in India, Africa. Uh you have gospel music in 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 of course the states. And I just think that it's just so much richness that could be shared amongst all of us if we just came together. And it would make gospel music stronger. Uh, oh, Kirk Franklin wouldn't have to just hold it by himself in the states. You wouldn't have to have artists in 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 Africa trying to hold it by themselves. You put it all together, so you, now you have a global alliance. You have a global uh, um, strength, and I think I just think that if I can pull this off, that it's gonna totally bring a revival to this world can, and our land. Can I just say? Can I just say so? I'm, Please. I'm, I'm, we had um, we have Donny McClurkin. Um, he did his live album here 21 years ago. Yes, I remember. He's, he's coming here to do the to do part two. Oh wow! And he's doing it. With, he's doing it at my church and he's doing it in my choir. I'm a group called the Sounds of New Wine, and um, he's doing it in October. So I, I saw a tweet saying Kirk's coming over and uh, John Gray's coming over. So everyone's coming to this this, uh, this function in October, and it's a part two of um, so there is a lot more of that thing we need to get much more of us coming together and, and hopefully getting good artists coming over to the States and mixing and there are artists from America that are going to Nigeria now it's a massive market in America, in Africa Ghana I saw there's a track with um, JJ Hairston with um, different African artists and it's massive I mean and we're, we're kind of linking our cultures and our music together which is kind of what I did with LCG in my choir so what you're saying there are coming together is really what we need to do so I just pray that God will give you the the finance but just the timing because you're yes. right you need the right timing you need the, the financing and the right timing and it's funny that you mentioned Nigeria and, and Africa because I literally met with a team uh, from Nigeria yesterday and one of the things that they were telling me 
was that they are hungry and desperately hungry for uh, content, uh, visual and audio in terms of gospel. And so um, I think there's something here that's being birthed. And I just I just want to be if I can just be the, the guy, the catalyst to put it together and let everybody else just do the let let their gifts show and shine. Yeah. I mean, once a year we can do it in London, and the next year we can do it in New York, and the next year oh, we, we can go we can oh, go yeah. to another country and just really create this vibe. I just really think it's going to be the biggest thing ever, and it won't take away from what you're doing in London. It won't take away from what the Stella Awards do. The Stella Awards are still needed. Um, what you guys do in London is still needed. We still need the individual community, um, and, you know, because it keeps it strong. That's the whole point. We're, we're doing stuff separately and in our communities but we also need to be able to build an alliance uh, globally well i'm ready to hear from this man because this this um, uh, this is right down the street i love this and um man i, I just pray that the, once the time is right and um i also god puts the right people around you that's the important but the right people around you to do this because it's that's massive I, that's the sort of stuff i get off on i think things that will really bring people together um and i love the fact we do our stuff in our groups so and we have our Oh, Peter, I love all that stuff. It's good. We need to do it, but um, when we come together, bro, it's so powerful. Man, so yes, powerful. yes, we are, man. And I, I'm definitely gonna. We're gonna be talking about doing this uh, off off air at some point, and uh, we're gonna set up some meetings and and start the process, my brother. Okay, my brother. Fantastic. And uh, thank you guys for listening. This is uh, Carl Jackson, Lawrence Johnson. The new single is entitled "Strength to Go On." Download it now and support the cause. It's uh, the, the single is available on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, and Google Play. And we're going to end, we opened the show with Weather the Storm because that's one of my favorite childhood memories. And we're getting ready to end it with Strength to Go On. Here's the song right now on the Car- Carl Jackson podcast. Until next time, be blessed. Tears fall with the rain
life over grieving mother Makes you wonder what is life, who's the one above us Does he really care, does he really love us In times of despair when the world suffers You told me some things I won't understand I'll just trust and obey that you've got a plan I can see your footprints in the sand I know you'll never leave me, you've got my life
Hey, you want to hear inspirational music and talk? Download the CJC radio app right now in the App Store. What are you waiting for? Download it now.